Okay. Peck, come on up as you come up. I had, if you're reading through the Old Testament, some, I know some who had gone through the New Testament are following an, an Old Testament reading, and the book of Genesis is coming up next week, and several people had asked, like, I just don't know what the big picture of Genesis is, so they asked if I could make an overview of it. So if you're in the book, doing through the Old Testament, you're in the book of Genesis, on the way out, you can grab a chart that explains the big sections of Genesis and kind of what it's all about. It's a really significant book, first book of the Bible. So I invite you to grab one of those. And I want to introduce, this is Peck Lindsay. Peck was here last summer. You preached for us. And um, a very dear friend, this week I've been on a study break working on and preparing a series we're going to do in um, the fall on work. And I'm really excited about that. The Bible is so rich in what it says about work and how we use our work to, 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 to extend the kingdom of God. And so I asked Peck to come and share with us this morning. Peck was the executive director of the Kansas-Nebraska Southern Baptist for how long, Peck? 30-some years. Wow, 30-some years for a long time. Just a very dear friend. Back before Al came here, so this is in the early 90s, Peck was the interim pastor here for a little over a year and just fell in love with Peck. I love your preaching, and I'm really glad to have you here this morning. So, Peck, I'll let you have the stage. Peck is a nickname, and <clears throat> Gary and uh, they had on my office door when I was here, uh, packed my name, and he changed it. He came when he was <clears throat> just a student then and put T-Rex instead of <laughs> P-Rex, so uh, I've, I've been friends with Karen, for a, mostly friends for a long time. <clears throat> I'm fighting sinus. You may have done that this time of year, and when I have sinus, it uh, triggers a benign positional kind of uh, inner ear problem, so I may get off this stage before I fall off so I can do it, but uh, I, I want to look at the 23rd Psalm. Gary said you're looking at Psalms, and I want to look at the 23rd Psalm if you want to turn to it. It's about sheep and shepherds, and I grew up in cow country. Uh, my granddad nicknamed me Cowhand, and my dad nicknamed me Peck, so I had lots of nicknames and aliases, but I didn't know about sheep. And... Uh, what we used to call sheep were not herders. Sheep were not shepherds. We called them blank, blank sheep herders. So uh, the cow country didn't think well of sheep. So I read a lot of stories the first century by shepherds, and I read about uh, shepherds in Canada and shepherds in Africa and shepherds around where it really shepherded the sheep. So I want to talk about a shepherd first. Two things today. I want to talk about a shepherd. Then I want to read Psalm 23 based on our understanding of shepherds. Are any of you been shepherds? You got sheep? Well, you're about as ignorant as I was about it then. So we'll learn together <clears throat> what I've tried to learn about shepherding and sheeping. And I want to make an application to my own life from this psalm. So it's a little different than I've ever done before in a Bible study. But shepherds. The sheep were kept in the wintertime down in the low country, away from the high snow in the mountains. But in the spring, the shepherd would say, I've got to make a trek up to the high country, the high plateau, the high mesa, where the grass had been growing all winter and the snow had covered it. So the shepherd's got to get a new path for the sheep. He didn't drive the sheep. 
the sheep followed the shepherd. So he would go out early in the spring by himself, and he would make the trek through the dark valley, through the high, high meadows, because in the wintertime, if you've lived in the mountains, you know slides of earth, earth and snow come down, and so he would find the best way. He would go through the valley, because through the valley is where the water was there for sheep, and the, the grass was there. They could eat on the way up to the high mesa, the high plains. So he would go through and, and redo the valley. Sheep, as you know, are rather furry. And so when they get full of water, they can't survive. They can't take running water. They drown. So the shepherd would find a quiet place in the river, or he would take rocks. You ever done this in a lake somewhere, in a stream built up with rocks, and so the water behind the, the rocks are, are still and quiet. So he would, he would find still waters, because a sheep, to be safe, had to drink where the water wasn't running swiftly, where they wouldn't get all waterlogged. He, he would go on up the mountain, and he would find the safe, safe passage for them where the, the water was green. Then he would go up to the upper mesa, where the snow had been, and he would take a a stick, a large stick, and he would go through the, the, the pasture, the mesa, and find the poisonous reeds. Some, some reeds, sheep, if ate, would either get very ill or would die. So he would see the noxious weeds and he would dig them out, put them in a pile and burn them so that the sheep had safe pasture. Then he would get ready, he took care of the sheep. Uh, sheep get uh, uh, nose flies, and, and they, they lay eggs in their nose and in their little larvae grow up into their brain. So he would take a, a, a right kind of mixture. And when the sheep came up, he would cover their nose and face with this kind of mixture to protect them against the flies. And then in the, in the rutting season, the rams would butt, butt heads to try to get the ewes for them. And so he would put axle grease kind of stuff on the sheep's head so that when they hit each other, Instead of bruising, they would slide off, and he would take care of them. So the shepherd was concerned about each sheep. This, all this stuff I never knew, so I read about it. I assume it's right, because I read it written by shepherds. And then the sheep then were the kind, if, if a sheep is pregnant or if a sheep is overweight and it finds a hollow in the grass and it lays down, it can't get up. You ever turned a turtle upside down? and watch a turtle's legs. That's what a sheep would do. It would fall over, but it couldn't get back up, so it would lay there with its legs up in the air, struggling, trying to get up, and the shepherd would go and pick it up and set it back up on its four legs and then would guide it to a safe place. So the shepherd re restored the sheep to what it was supposed to be and moved it in the right direction. He took care of it through the whole time up in the meadow and watched over it. He had a large staff, that he protected it against the wild animals. Sometimes if a sheep was too wild and running away, he would uh, nudge a sheep back into the right place in, in the meadow. So the shepherd was always hands-on, caring for, watching over, covering the sheep. So Psalm 23 was written by a shepherd. David, when we first met him, was up out in the field taking care of the sheep. He was the youngest son. He was in charge of the sheep. So when he writes this psalm, He's not writing it like a king or a prophet or a poet. He's writing it like a shepherd. And the psalm reflects his feelings as a shepherd as to what he did. So let's read it, understanding that uh, written by a shepherd. I'm, this is King James. I'm reading it from the King James, which is how I, for years, have understood it. 
verse 1. The Lord, in your Bible, is, what is L-O, how does L-O-R-D spell? Capitals? That, that's because it's the word Yahweh. The word Yahweh meant this is our special God. He's the one who chose us for his people. He's the personal God for us. When Moses stood on the mountain and says, I'm supposed to go to these people. What, who, who do I tell them sent me? And the voice came, the I am sent you. The one who is sent you. Yahweh sent you. So when it says the Lord is my shepherd, he, he's talking about the personal God. The God of the Hebrews, the God who brought us out of slavery into freedom. So when, when you see the word Lord like that, you can say uh, uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. It's the personal God. He's not talking about any God. He's not talking about God just in general. He's talking about the very personal God. So the, the, Jesus is my shepherd. In fact, Jesus once called himself the good shepherd. He was the one who shepherded people. So it says, Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. The sheep followed the shepherd. They weren't concerned about the path up the mountain. They weren't concerned about running water. They weren't concerned about food because they followed the shepherd. The shepherd. And so he says to us, I'm talking to you personally. Jesus says, I'm, I'm the one that you relate to personally. So Jesus is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures takes all the poison stuff out. He leads me beside still waters so I'm not in danger of drowning. He restores my soul. When I'm upside down, he turns me right side up. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He leads me in right paths. He doesn't let me get off in a bad trail. He leads me where I'm supposed to be. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the dark shadows, which is where they went up to the mountains, I'm not afraid of evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They prepare the way for me. They prepare the path for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Where all the poisonous weeds are, they're not there anymore. In the presence of my enemies, you prepared the, the presence well. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. My cup is full. Everything I need, the shepherd gives to me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, I understood that psalm differently when I read it, understanding the shepherd. Now, let me, let me do a personal application of my life. Uh, Sue died eight months ago with a brain tumor. So, I'm going to talk about how the shepherd, when I was a sophomore in high school, I had friends who lots of girlfriends and boyfriends that I ran around with, they happened to be in a Baptist church. I didn't grow up in church, but they were in church. So I went to church with them and they went to a summer camp. And at that camp that summer, my sophomore summer, uh, the Lord became my shepherd. I had a relationship with Christ and I came back from camp a different person. He, he, he kind of, I didn't know who I was as a sophomore. If you're a sophomore, you maybe don't know exactly who you are, but it says when you come to the Lord as your shepherd, he sets you on your feet and he says, I'm going to give you a guidance. I'm going to guide your life, Peck. So, so you're, you're forgiven of the things you've done wrong and now I'm going to lead you in the right paths, paths of righteousness. I'm going to lead you the right way. So I came back from that camp as a sophomore, uh, a believer, and became different in my relationships in high school, I had probably as foul a mouth 
as anybody had. And um, God convicted me of it that sophomore year, and I actually cleaned up my language. I still got a few hells and dams hanging around, but mostly my language has been cleaned up from what I had then. And uh, he said, look, you're a follower of me. I want you to learn to relate to people right. I want you to learn to talk right. I want you to learn to avoid certain drugs and alcohol, and I want you to behave right toward women. So my whole dating life was guided by relationship with Christ. He said there's a right way to relate to people of the opposite sex. There's a right, right way to wait to friends. So at that, from a sophomore year on, Christ became very personal to me, and I began to, to study the scripture. I, I, uh, the next summer, I worked in wheat, wheat and cattle for years in ranch country. I was a hay baler and a hay hauler, 1,000 bale a, a, a day. And then I went to wheat harvest my, my junior summer. And on the wheat harvest, I had a little, little New Testament. This is the days before GPS. So I actually drove a combine, a 12-foot combine, and the dust and the dirt came down. And so I was there all by myself. There wasn't any music to listen to. So I kind of contemplated that junior year of my life, what I was supposed to be and do. And I, I came back believing that the shepherd was saying to me, look, I'm, I'm out ahead of you, but you're not going to be a farmer. I could drive anything and fix nothing. I, I was just not good. And I didn't really care. If it ran, I was going to drive it. And I could, I could sow lots of stuff, but I didn't have a green thumb. I would kill it as quick as I sowed it. So uh, that summer I decided I'm not going to end up uh, ranching or farming. So I, I felt like God wanted me somehow to relate to people in the church, to somehow be related in church work. So that, that year, I became a leader of my youth. God, God says, look, Peck, I'm, I'm, I'm out front of you. The Lord's my shepherd. He's going to guide your life. So he guided me to say, you're going to be somehow related to people in church. So I started that. And then the next summer, I went on the harvest again, as two summers in a row. That's about 12 hours a day on a combine just by yourself. So I came back that, that summer realizing if God was calling me to church work, I didn't know much. Uh, I, I, for me, a B was okay in high school. Easy to go to high school. I, I didn't have any ambitions for good grades. So uh, if I got a B, I was happy. And I got Bs throughout high school. But I hadn't really learned a whole lot. My high school was easy. It was a small high school. <laughs> like 40 kids in my class. So it was, it was easy. And then I came back realizing I... I if God's calling me to somehow church work, I better get more learning than I've got. So I had a, a couple of friends who were already second year in, in a Christian college, and they said, well, you go to college with us. So I thought that's probably a good idea to learn Old Testament, New Testament, to learn the, what a church is all about, because I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't know much about church. So I said, okay, I'll go with you. So I got back from harvest in late August, and uh, they were going the next week to, to their Christian college, so I got in with Jerry, and I went to college. He said, I've got a room. i got a room, and you can sleep in the room. So I did. So I arrived at Christian College, never pre-enrolled, never told them I was coming. I just showed up and said, I'm here to go to school. I discovered something. I had two summers of money saved up from combining. They were happy I was there because I had money, <laughs> cash money. So when I said I would like to go to school here, I have money. 
they found me. They said, well, here's an enrollment form. Uh, we'll find you a room. The, the basketball coach had a house across from the campus. He had an extra room with the basketball players. So I, uh, I bunked in the basketball coach's room, and I started college. And I took uh, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, religious education, the things I needed to learn if I was going to be in church work. My friend Jerry and was dating seriously a girl named Joanne. They were both in school there. Two other friends of mine were at OBU. Uh, a, a friend named Sue had come back from Christian camp and had stopped at, uh, at my hometown and gone to church with kids that I knew. I was in Montana cutting wheat, but they said to Sue, well, there's a guy going to OBU, we think. We're going to try to get him to, and uh, we want you to meet Peck when, you, when he gets to school. So Sue broke an engagement, and because the guy she was engaged to didn't have her values, so she broke the engagement. She moved from a smaller college in western Oklahoma to the Christian college where my friends went. And when I got to school that year, the Lord is my shepherd. He's going ahead of you to direct your paths. I would probably never have dated Sue, and didn't anyway, but she wanted to ride home. And so they were going to the state fair, and she said, okay, uh, Peck, you go ask her, and so I asked her. We went to State Fair together, really had a good time, and dropped her at her house. We went to a Baptist convention. I didn't even know that Baptists had conventions. Uh, but we went, a group of us went to a Baptist convention. Sue rode with that and took her back home. And I suddenly decided, I really like her. <laughs> we had a great time together. So, so uh, God said, you know, Peck, I'm directing you. I had lots of girlfriends. I just never dated them. But Sue was, to me, a, a little uh, different. I was more attracted to her, not just with friendship, but with eros, with erotic feelings about her that I hadn't had for others. But she'd been engaged, so she wasn't going to date seriously. It was okay to go have a coffee. It was okay to go to class together, but we, she wasn't going to date me. So she was a friend. That next summer, I asked God, well, what am I supposed to do with my summertime after I get out of school? The Lord's your shepherd. I'm, I'm, this is... Maybe not exciting to you, but I have lived long enough now to think through my life based on my relationship with the shepherd. That all of my decisions were based on my relationship with him. So he, he, he opened up a door for me to go to, from Oklahoma to the Yakima Valley in Washington as a summer. I could get a secular job and work with youth in the church. So I did that. And in the meantime, that second semester of school, Sue, Sue had gotten real serious with a friend of mine named Ernie. They were going steady, almost engaged. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to work out with Sue, God, somebody else out there, surely. So uh, I worked in Yakima Valley that summer. And when I came back, I discovered to school in the fall, uh, she'd broken up with Ernie that summer. She didn't want to date me still. She just wanted to be friends. She liked me as a friend, but didn't just want to be friends. If you felt I had a little more feeling for her than that in this whole relationship, but the, the, the Lord said, you know, you're okay. So uh, we were friends, and that was about it uh, for a whole year. I didn't date other girls, but I had girlfriends that I really enjoyed being with and guy friends. I was youth director of a church just a little ways out of town, so I bought a 25-year-old car to go out and work with youth people. That whole, whole year, Sue dated lots of other guys on campus that I know, uh, I knew some of them. And then that I thought, well, what am I going to do next summer? I, I, I had come back each year after work with enough money to pay for a whole s semester of school and then got a job for the second semester to pay my way. 
my mom and dad moved while I was at Harvest. They were, they were whatever I wanted to do was okay with them. They just weren't going to help at all. So I, from that senior year in high school, I was on my own. So that next summer, I was up in a, my boss man out in the Yakima Valley had written to me and said, uh, I'd be glad to have you come back to work here. And the church had written and said, we'd like you to do youth again. I remember sitting in an upstairs in the library at the college and praying about, well, God, what am I supposed to do this summer? I had also written to the home mission board and said I would consider being a summer missionary and they would pay $25 a week for 10 weeks, which is not exactly a tuition to get to college. So I sat in the library and I thought, God, there's no way, you're my shepherd, you're out ahead of me, there's no way I can do this, but I couldn't get away from the fact that God was saying, well, that's what you're supposed to do, Peck. So I signed up with the home mission board. They kept me a couple of nights in Wichita and sent me to Omaha and Lincoln, Nebraska, where we had two new churches. They, one of the, the pastor up there had been in a car wreck and uh, couldn't drive much, so I had a car and they put me to downtown Y and I visited all the new people coming to uh, Omaha. And then halfway through the summer, I really liked it there. I liked the people. Halfway through the summer, they said there's a church in western Kansas. The people who made this decision in Wichita said, Peck, there's a church in western Kansas. They went through a church fight and actually had the sheriff come out on a business meeting because they were afraid they were going to get in trouble. So uh, we're going to sign you to Russell, Kansas. So uh, they knew that a college student couldn't hurt them. They'd been through it all, and people had the church that just split everywhere. So they uh, sent me to Russell, Kansas, and got me an apartment downstairs in a lady's home and uh, where I could sign up for meals. And they gave me a list of people who had once been to the church or visited the church. So I spent five weeks that summer walking around that small town of 5,000 and visiting people and inviting them to church. Well, by the end of the summer, the Lord's my shepherd. I never would have planned to go to this place. I didn't see how I could go to Russell and go to summer missions and come back and afford school. It just, it just wasn't logically done. But at the end of that summer, we were running about 35 in church. And they said to me, you know, would you consider going to Hayes, 25 miles away, and being our pastor? Well, I thought I'd go back to Shawnee and pray about it. I hadn't thought about it. So I went back, and sure enough, they, uh, those 30 people invited me to come be their pastor. And so I felt like that was the right thing. The Lord is your shepherd. He, he's out ahead of you. He knows the path he wants you to go. It's a path you might not take. It's not the way you might want to go. But he, what, what he says is, look, put your trust in the shepherd. And what you feel the shepherd's asking you to do, do it. So I said, okay, I'll come be pastor of the church at Russell. They had a house next to their church building. And so I slept on the floor in the church building and the house next door and went to Russell. But I thought, you know, I'm in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and Sue lives in Hinton, which is right on the way to Russell. And so I, I stopped by and saw her and said, I'm not, uh, I'm not coming back to school. So I'm going to go pastor a church at Russell. I'm going to school at Hayes, but I like you and I wish things had worked out and I wish you well. And went on to Russell. My grandmother died uh, a month later, and I came back down to Oklahoma for her funeral. Sue was home that weekend, so I took her back to school. And then uh, my friend and I came back for a wedding two months later in October, and Sue was again home, and I took her back to school. So I, I, I moved 350 miles away. I could not understand 
literally, I said, God, you know, I'm going to leave her to all these guys that she's dating anyway. And you know, I'm really, I really like her. I really think I could have a future with her. But you're sending me to Russell and she's left here. Well, I'm the kind of guy that looks better 350 miles away than he did next door. So after that second visit, she agreed we could write. And so we began to write each other. And uh, I came back and saw her a day at Christmas. And I, I was smart enough. She worked at a summer camp in the summer with youth teaching art. So I invited her to be a counselor at our youth camp in western Kansas. And she came up and spent a week there and then went back to school. The long story, the shepherd, the shepherd led me in ways I never thought were the right way for me. But as I look back, it was exactly the right way. Uh, Sue, Sue was in strong relationships, and she didn't want to be in a relationship engaged or steady. She wanted to date around lots of guys. So it was a bad timing for me to try to say, I'm, I'm the guy you should go steady with. So at Russell, she, at least we stayed friends. Sue kept the letters that we wrote from that year for two years of letters I've got. So I hadn't thought about this stuff for years, but I've been rereading the letters that we wrote to each other. And uh, November of her, beginning of her, November of her senior year, she wrote saying, it's Saturday night, and I'm starting, I'm in my senior year, and I haven't had a date for a while. I've been listening to music. You tell me what to do. We're friends. And she said she really wanted a life with family, and so... I decided, you know, she said in that letter, I, I don't know what you think about anything. Well, I don't do much on feelings. I mean, I'm not a feeling person, so I don't talk about feelings. Just get her done is what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm not really a very good counselor. Uh, stop it, move on. That's what I'm saying. And so it says that behavior reflects your true feelings. So I tried to behave right. When Christ came in, he said, Peck, I want to set you on the right path, but that means you've got to behave differently. You have to relate to people differently. Your behavior has to be different. So I read Sue's letter, and I decided I better be more feeling in my letters to her. So as I read later letters, I began to share how I felt about her and how I hoped for the future. And... Uh, she taught school in Anahuac, Texas, taught art way down to South Texas. I was up there. We wrote for a year. I got all the letters. But after that year, I was far enough away, she decided I was okay. <laughs> so we got engaged and uh, got married uh, 62 years. We were married. But it said, thank you. God said, Peck, look, I'm, I'm the shepherd. I, I, I see the path ahead of you that you don't even know. And that's what he says about your life. When it says, the Lord is my shepherd, the, he's saying, Jesus, personally, the personal God you know, the personal relationship, he's your shepherd. He's going to say, I, I know who you are. I know the path I want you to take. And, and I know that I can restore you to the person you're supposed to be. Get a picture of the sheep upside down. Can't get up. When it says, he restores my soul it says is he, he sees your life is kind of, for me, I was just, I wasn't upside down. I just wasn't knowing what I was supposed to do, where I was supposed to go. But when he reached into me, when I said, okay, I'll, I'll receive you as Savior, he turned me right side up and he said, well, you've got to trust me. 
So that's what he says to you. Look, you're upside down. I, I don't know hard, what a hard place you're in. I don't know what decision you have to make. I, I'm, I'm in an upside down place now. I mean, married 62 years and now I'm not. So what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I don't even like old people and now I am one. You know, <laughs> I always like young people. So what do, you do, what do you do with the rest of your life? So the promise of the shepherd is, I'm going to restore you to what I want you to be. I'm going to put you on the path that I have for you the rest of your life. So I don't know how old many of you are. I went to my high school reunion and walked right past them. Uh, that, that all gotten old. I didn't recognize any of them. And uh, I didn't even think like any of them. I still think like a 35-year-old, and, and my body's not quite there where it was 35 years. But Jesus says, look, Peck, I'm, I'm still your shepherd. I see the year or five or ten you've got left, so I've got to. Pay. So that's what he says to you. Look, I, I, I'm your shepherd. I I see where I want you to go. I see the path, and I'll help you make the right decisions. It may not be the one you think is best, but it's the one that I have for you. And the end result, as I look back at my life, I would not have decided things the way I did necessarily, but. It's, it's made it whole and complete. I'm, I'm the person God wants me to be. And I'm not wealthy, not famous, but I'm complete. I am whole. Peck is a whole person. I, I, I read a, a Guidepost magazine. There's a story by a, a, a pro basketball player named Viv. I, I, I don't follow pro basketball, so I didn't know him. Nearly seven foot tall. He played for the Seattle Supersonics and others. He was an outstanding college player. He was on the team that won the gold medal in the, uh, in the uh, Olympics and came back. But when he, he, he was a churchman. He grew up in church. He was a, a believer all the way through college. He was faithful to God and to his, to his church. His dad was a mechanic pastor, so he grew up in, a, in an African-American church. Then he said, I got the uh, NBA, and it's a party crowd, and there's lots of money and lots of drugs, and lots of booze, and lots of women. And so he got into the party crowd, dropped out of church. He, he played for two or three different, uh, different teams. He, he said he could drink a gallon of alcohol a day. He discovered he didn't want to have a come down off of his high. He wanted to stay high. So he even started to play a little buzz. And he said, thought he played better. After a while, uh, the teams realized he wasn't playing better. And he was out of uh, the basketball professional ranks. He, when, he, when he had a lot of money, he said he was at a casino and lost $100,000 one night, just, just gambling. He had that kind of money and that kind of relationships. He had two children by a woman with whom he was not, not married, but he lost it all. He lost his position, he lost his money, and he was living back in his parents' garage. And he said, at, at, at that down despair, I decided... You know, once I knew God, I needed to reconnect with the Father. And he did. And to me, the images of a sheep upside down, and God reached in and took Viv's life and stood him up. Howard Schultz, uh, you know, works uh, Starbucks. He was an uh, owner of the Supersonics at that time. And uh, Howard Schultz said, you know, I'll, I'll offer you a job as a barrister in a Starbucks. He said for the first time in his life, he got sober, lived in his parents' garage. He had no money. So he became a barrister in Starbucks. He said, for the first time, I, I began to realize when God says, I set you up right, he says, I'll put you on the right path. 
I'm going to help you. Who would have believed that Starbucks was the right path for him? He said, for the first time, I had to listen to people. I had to take their orders. I had to design drinks that they wanted, not what I wanted. And I had to keep the place clean. And I had to relate to other people in a positive way. For the first time, he said, my life, I got up at 5.30 in the morning. First time, I was sober all day long. I worked all day long. God said, Viv, I turned you upside, right side up. He said he married the woman by whom he had the children. His life took on a, a different direction and a meaning. And so uh, when I read his story, he was a associate coach in a pro team, but his life was whole. He, he was dried out. He was staying sober. He was a person who had been reached down by God, turned upright. Blessed, he said, are you when you discover a personal relationship with Christ because when Christ enters, he forgives that which has been bad in your life. He forgives every mistake you've made and he says, I'm coming in to restore you to who I want you to be. And I am the one who will lead you into the future in the right way. If you're here this morning and your life is sort of upside down, that's, that's okay because God says, I'm going to turn it right side up. If you're not sure where you're going, that's a great place to be because God says, I know, the, I'm, I know the path. I've been up there. I've, I've been up preparing the way for you. And so the, this psalm says, the Lord, my God, Jesus, is my shepherd. I'm not going to want for anything. My key scripture in life after I became a follower of Christ was when Jesus said, you know, you're worried about clothing and about where you're going to stay and about a job. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, his way to live, and he'll take care of all these things. That became my verse. I believe that. And sure enough, it's true. I've lived long enough to know he took care of all those things. I, I've eaten too much, but I'm never really hungry. Uh, have a have shelter over our head, not a fancy house, but shelter. God says, Peck, and the woman I tried for years to date uh, actually married her. And so uh, he says, Peck, I will, uh, I will take care of you if you just trust me and follow me. So my testimony to you is you can trust him. You can say, I've, I'm going to give my life to Christ. And I'm going to find out what he wants me to do with my life because he's the one who will turn me right side up and who will set me on a right path. Since I became a follower of Christ as a sophomore, my relationships have been defined by him. And I suggest to you the best way to live life is in relationship to Christ and ask him how he wants you to relate to your spouse, to your people, to somebody you're dating, how he wants you to relate to life. And make your choices his way. And um, my testimony is I've lived all these years. I'm the old guy now. But as I look back, and I've been looking back, gosh, God has really taken care of me. He really has taken care of me. The Lord, Jesus, is my shepherd. I'm not going to want for anything. That's the promise to you. He says, if you just... Open up your life to the shepherd, Jesus Christ. I'll take care of you. I'll guide you to the right relationships. I'll guide you to the right places. So let me pray for you as we close this morning. God, in my own life, it has been true, as I've tried to share today, that as shepherd, you have guided uh, the right way in every relationship. Times when I didn't think it was the right choice has been the right choice. Relationships that I thought were not going to work out did. 
So God, I thank you for that, and I pray for the people here this morning that we, each of us, can look to you as a shepherd and say to you, uh, we can't see all the way in the future, God, but we believe you've been there, so we're going to trust you. We give our life to you to help make us uh, life choices, life decisions, and we'll make it in a way that honors you and that honors your kingdom. So God, give us your spirit's presence. Walk with us clearly as we try to serve our life for you. In Christ's name, and amen. And Gary says you're dismissed. <laughs>